Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Risers. How's everybody doing this morning? What is up? Good to see each and every one of you here this morning. If you're new to our church, my name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor, and we're going to continue to experience God together over the next few moments. I always want to celebrate. We had uh, uh, nine people make decisions for Christ last week for the Christmas play here and in our South Shore location. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful thing. I also want to celebrate this. I think it's pretty cool that uh, God continues to use us as an influential place. That we had four uh, pastors that were visiting last week just kind of learning about uh, systems and the way we do church. And I think that's a beautiful thing that we get to impact others. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, quickly, uh, just I don't want to make this an announcement time, but I do want to tell you we do have Christmas Eve services uh, coming up this week on Christmas Eve. Uh, it's 6 p.m. here at Brandon at 4.30 in our South Shore location. Uh, you are welcome to go to either one of those, obviously. They are 45 minutes long. I think the, the official track said 46 minutes. So we're planning to do 45-minute, um, uh, just a quick time, slow down, put Jesus in the center of this Christmas holiday. And um, it's always a special moment if you get to come and be with us. We would love to have you. Uh, also, I also want to uh, quickly announce this. Uh, we at Arise, we are a place where uh, we value creativity, which just means we're constantly adapting. Uh, if you value things that stay the same, while well, the gospel stays the same, pretty much everything else constantly changes as we uh, continue to try to grow as a church and do what God has called us to do. And uh, one of those transitions uh, affects you at this location more than others. And I want to introduce Pastor Kieran. Come on up. Put your hands. Come on. Put your hands together, Pastor Kieran. Best-looking guy in our staff, most fit, main and black. Uh, pastor Kieran is adapting into a new role. He's going to be our connection pastor here in Brandon. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Uh, because several chairs are just kind of transitioning on our team right now. Pastor Pete is uh, uh, transitioning to being the South Shore location pastor, campus pastor down there. And uh, Pastor Tina needs to be back out in the community and doing things that she's called to do. And so it allows her to do that, as well as there's some new uh, projects and things to do with counseling and coaching that are going to come up next year. I uh, don't want to drop those too much to you now because be at the State of the Church address and you will hear all about that. Uh, some a, a fresh vision for what God has given us that Pastor Tina is going to be running with. Uh, but just several adaptations there. Pastor Pete is going to South Shore. So if you love hearing him speak, go down there. Uh, Pastor Kieran is switching from youth ministry to uh, connection. And we are looking right now at youth ministry. Uh, we do have some, some really good candidates. And hopefully before too long, we'll be able to announce a new youth pastor for this location. Johnny Turpin is still the youth pastor in our South Shore location. So super excited about that. Pastor Kieran, you want to say anything? Yeah, it's it's one of those bittersweet moments, you know what I'm saying? My man saying why, Trey saying um, the, the truth is, the, the reason why is because God said so. Um, I've been doing youth ministry for 10 years, and I will always, always be your youth pastor. Um, but, you know, sometimes God changes the seat on a bus. But the good thing, I'm on the same bus. So, and so, so I, I love you, and, you know. I, right as Pastor Brent mentioned, I'll still be hovering around youth ministry for a while. Matter of fact, I'll probably be doing it for the rest of my life. I'm, I need an excuse to be weird and young. But um, but I, I love all the students, so the students that are in here. I love you guys so much. and um, We'll have our chance to kind of connect, but the best is yet to come. 
Stay, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. Here, if you've noticed something was getting old and crusty and stale in him, it's because of youth minute. It's just, you know, you're not cool anymore, so. Oh. Uh, when, I, when I transitioned out of being a youth pastor to a lead pastor, this other youth pastor said, I knew something was getting old on you. <laughs> Come on, can you just extend your hands this way? Let's just pray over Pastor Kieran. Father, we thank you. Uh, for moments of, of adaptation within a team, for getting on a different seat on the bus that you've called to. And Lord, I just pray that you continue to use Pastor Kieran in a profound way. God, what has been built over the past with multiple people in this connection role from Pastor Tina and Pastor Ken and, and Joshua and different people that have stepped into this role over the, the course of time. And, and Lord, I pray what Pastor Pete has built, that it just continues to be built upon and gets better and better and better as we strive to be a church that values community and building people up and connecting people and, and refusing to, to, to see people fall by the wayside as best as we can help it. So Lord, give him a special anointing, give him a special grace for this new season in our church. We're thankful for him. Continue to bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love it. So, so good stuff. All the teenagers might kick him in the shin, but, but I promise you, stay with us. It's going to be uh, a beautiful thing. Hey, um, so there's, there's certain moments in life that are special moments, right? Birthdays, holidays, uh, wedding, anniversary, special trips. Nowadays, we capture all those special moments uh, by way of picture. So I was thinking about that special moment thing uh, and just thinking about a, a Pastor Kieran's special moment over three years ago when he came to us to be a youth pastor. And it was a special moment. And so we capture that on video. Uh, when a child is born, it's a special moment. Uh, this next child right here, you might not recognize him, but that's Pastor Brent preaching his first sermon right there. I was giving a... A hallelujah shout right there. Um, uh, this next little moment was Strawberry Festival and Pastor Ada. She won Miss Personality or something like that it was called, as, as if you could not guess that at the Strawberry Festival. Although it kind of looks like the 4th of July with the, with the picture going on right there. How about, how about our wedding day? You recognize this guy with hair? Like, you know? It's crazy because Ada hasn't changed a bit. I got old and fat and lost hair, but Ada hasn't changed a bit. Special moments like when you head over to a Bucks game and, and it's a special moment where you get to share that with your son. We capture those, right? Or graduations. How about the graduation of Pastor Kieran and Pastor Josh together last year from Southeastern? Yeah, beautiful thing. Uh, how about this one right here of, 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 of Kat uh, getting ordained in the Assemblies of God and it's or, or, ordination service, a beautiful moment. I particularly love this next one. It's, it's uh, Dion McClendon. It's the day, it's the weekend that he got radically saved and his life would forever be changed. And I'm driving him home and dropping him off at his house. And there was a different person on the way home than there was on the way there. And we took that picture. And that's always a, a special one to me. Uh, this next little moment was, was the launch of Arise India. Come on, y'all. I love it, love it, love it. That's me in my, my Indian robe right there. I don't, there's a name for it. I don't know what it is. Um, uh, how about, do y'all remember that time we all gathered on a Sunday night and heard this incredible, impactful message and we uh, prayed over racism in ourselves and in America and repented publicly around the kettle pot? It was a beautiful, beautiful moment in the history of our church. There, there are these moments that come up that you're just like, these are, these are special, special moments. And sometimes they're impromptu. They're spontaneous. Sometimes they're planned for. Do you realize your moments with God sometimes are impromptu, sometimes they're planned for? 
Sunday morning is planned for. There's a lot of work putting into an agenda and a plan and organization and worship team practicing and preparing messages on a Sunday morning. Restoration room, uh, you come and you encounter God, but it's planned for. There's a little bit of a a plan behind it and uh, an idea of what we want to accomplish behind it. But there's other moments that are spontaneous that are just as beautiful, maybe more beautiful oftentimes, where you're in your vehicle driving to work and you start worshiping and God just inhabits the the, the inside of that car. and, And all of a sudden you can feel God's presence so thick and so powerful moments where where you weren't planning to experience God, but he just shows up when you start worshiping. Has anybody experienced those kind of moments? Those kind of moments. It's powerful, powerful. And you capture those in photos, but you also capture those in life. The special plan for moments, the impromptu moments that come up. We're about to read a scripture today that is incredible in the fact that To one of them, it was planned for. To three of them, it was spontaneous and impromptu, and they didn't know what to do. And for all four of them, it was powerful, and they would never be the same. There's a guy by the name of Matthew. He was a tax collector. He got radically, radically saved and left tax collecting, which is kind of the worst of the worst in that era. Uh, uh, Being a tax collector meant you were working for the Romans, and this was a Jewish tax collector, so he's now working as as an imposter, so to speak, collecting taxes from his own people. And his name was Matthew, and he got radically saved. And at the end of his life, he starts to take it upon himself to write a biography of Jesus. We know it now as the Gospel of Matthew. And he writes this biography, and I want to read a section. You can find it in uh, beginning at the very, very last verse of Matthew 16, verse 28. And then we'll go into a very familiar passage, and I just want to connect the dots between these two. Verse 28 says, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Hmm. It's a powerful verse. Some of you might have pondered that verse for a long time because... Ultimately, in his kingdom and God's return, which is generally what a lot of people think it's talking about here, a lot of people did die. All the people listening to him did die without actually seeing that. But then the very next verse, starting in chapter 17, and reminding you that the Bible was not written in chapter and verse, it only has chapter and verse so you and I can find it quicker, says this, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a holy mountain by themselves, by themselves, by themselves. There, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Hmm. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter couldn't keep his mouth shut, so he said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. God, aren't you grateful that you brought us with you? If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I'll make you little houses. Put up tents. Some translations will say tents. When he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. In fact, it does have an exclamation point there if you notice. Listen to him. Peter, shut up. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. They, fell, they came and touched them. Get up. Or, but, I'm sorry, but Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Are you with me this morning? Yes. Uh, you, you picked a good Sunday to be at church. 
Um, I know it's Christmas time, and I know you want a lovely Christmas message, and we'll talk about baby Jesus and Goo Goo and Gaga and how cute his little cheeks were and how they, all the animals gathered around him and how perfect all that was. I know you came expecting that because this is the Sunday before Christmas, but at the end of the day, I do have to preach what I feel like the Lord is saying. I was just reading Isaiah the prophet as I was preparing for next week's message. Don't miss that. I was reading Isaiah the prophet and, and, and multiple times in Isaiah and multiple times uh, as you look at other passages like with Balaam. He says, listen, I can only speak what the father's saying. So I apologize in advance if you came expecting something cute. But this is a message that has been in my spirit for months and it's been stewing and circulating. It's a, it's a crockpot message, not an Instapot message. I got nothing against the Instapot. But the good old-fashioned crock pot where it's just been sitting there and stewing and getting gooey and that roast beef now just falls off your fork hardly. This is one of those kind of messages and it's going to get a lot better if you'll talk back to me this morning too. I am holding the handheld for a reason. Some of you have been around long enough to know what that is. So, so let's just talk for a second. I want to give you some points. Number one is this. Some of you will experience glimpses of God's glory. Some of you will experience glimpses of God's glory. See, there's more to experience than what we have experienced. The disciples had been walking with Jesus for years at this point. The three that go up the mountain had seen him save people, deliver people, heal people, set people free. He had seen radical transformation. He had seen, they had seen Jesus cast out devils of people. They had seen glimpses of his glory, but God was about to take them to a, to a higher place. I say some of you, because I'm just being real with you, that some of you don't want to see glimpses of God's glory. Some of you have enough of what you've experienced to know if I go any closer with God, he might challenge some of my presuppositions, some of my ideas. So I don't really want to go. Notice there are 12 disciples. Only three go up the mountain. (coughs) There are many more who follow him. Everywhere he goes. See, this is for a a hungry people who are willing to leave the security of the valley, who are willing to leave the security of the comfort of their own friends and climb a mountain that's uncomfortable to be alone with Jesus. So some of you will experience glimpses of God's glory because God wants to reveal more of his glory to you. I'm going to offend some of you already right off the bat. I apologize so easy early. But what some of you call experiencing God is really experiencing a placebo. I don't have time to unpack all of what placebo is. I trust many of you understand what that is in this room. It's really just the, 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 the faith that you have in something that can actually make you feel better or be a little bit better about something. I talk to people sometimes. I'm, I'm just, just curling your toes. I talk to people sometimes and they say, oh, I just knew if I went to church, I would just feel better. There's something about church that if you're not careful, just attending it, just being around people of faith, just being in that atmosphere, you will walk out and you just feel a little bit better. And sometimes we will call God what is actually just a placebo that God built inside of us, that you'll feel better if you went to a comedy movie. You'll feel better if you just get around positive people. This isn't about positive thinking. This is about experiencing the very glory of God. You know the placebo people because they'll come to church, feel better, but they're never actually changed. 
They'll come to church, they feel better about life when they walk out, but, but there's, no, there, there's no glory manifest on their life. There's nothing powerful happening in their life. They just feel a little bit better about life. But when you have an encounter and continual experience with God, it becomes a relationship that you are drawn to, that you need, and you want more and more and more of who he is. It's not just, I feel good because I went to church. <laughs> I told y'all. <laughs> see, see, on the mountaintop, they start experiencing something divine. What, what, what did Peter see on the mountaintop? I was pondering this months ago in my own study time, sitting on my back porch. I'm pondering this. What is he seeing in Jesus? It's the fullness of the kingdom of God on him. He saw what was always there, but what he was never revealed until he was there. He saw what the glory of God was always on Jesus, but the disciples couldn't see that level of it until they climbed the mountain with Jesus. On the valley, they would see a level of glory with Jesus that they would think is the top. Like Jesus was healing and delivering and and, and setting people free and demon-possessed running and all these things are happening. And they would see a level, they would go, this is it, man, this is the kingdom. And then all of a sudden, they would climb to the top and go, oh, there's something more. There's something greater. Some of you, God wants to take you to something more and something greater. And it's at the very top of the mountain that they see Jesus in the fullness of his divinity. I would argue they see Jesus the way Jesus is now. In heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And this this complete transformation that's happening. In the Bible, we would call it a transfiguration. This complete transformation where, where he was not even appeared to be the same way. This is, this is the caterpillar going to become a butterfly. Nobody looks at a caterpillar and says, in two days, you're going to be flying. You little fat, little maggot-looking thing. Lots of legs. But there can be such a transformation in the caterpillar that he becomes a butterfly in a, in a very short amount of time. Some of us in this room, God wants to transform us. He wants to transfigure us from what we were into what we can be. And Jesus is one man in a moment. In the next moment, he is fully God. And they're dwelling and seeing on this and perceiving it. The same Jesus that had walked with them, they knew this man. They had talked with him. They had eaten with him. They had done ministry and life with him. When, when, when they followed Jesus at this time as a disciple, it wasn't following from a distance. They were with him every single thing he did. And they saw, thought they had seen the fullness of his glory, but it's not until they're on the mountaintop that they see there's something more. I don't have time to preach this, but I wish I did. It's probably a whole other message unto itself, but the Jesus you know in the valley might not be the Jesus you know in the mountaintop. And it's not that the Jesus in the valley is, is incorrect. It's not that your theology and your experience is wrong. It's that there's something greater. And sometimes when you get on the mountaintop, you'll apologize for the Jesus you preached in the valley. <laughs> That's a whole other message. And I love it because, because even his clothes were radiant. I was chewing on that. I'm sitting on my back porch and I'm like, God, I don't get this. Like, I understand his face is radiant. His hands are radiant. His skin, his body is radiant. But the Matthew says, and for that matter, all four of the gospels tell the story. All four of the gospel writers tell the story. And all of them say that his clothes became radiant. <laughs> Can I tell you that there can be such a change in you that everything connected to you also changes? When you really get into the mountaintop experience and when you really experience the glory of God, it'll change your thoughts, it'll change your mind, it'll change your relationships, it might change your job, it might change the sin patterns in your life. It'll change everything. It might even change what you wear. 
And the problem with the valley experience is too many people are experiencing that and it's not changing everything around them. And so I've been a Christian for years, but nothing around me is ever changing. But when you really experience the glory of God, it's not just going to change you. It's going to change everything. And the life around you becomes radiant with God's glory. Come on, y'all. Pastor Kieran once told me the clothes don't make the man, the man makes the clothes. What's inside will always come outside. And this is encounter with God that's so great, it, it changes everything. And, and, I, and I want to point this out as well. I know I'm just teaching you for a second, but I want to point this out as well, that, that Jesus is not just, he, he's not just reflecting light. Now, this is so key because sometimes we say things for so long and there's some truth to them. I, I don't want to dismiss it, but we say things for so long that it just becomes standard and just true. So many of us have heard all of our lives, I have preached this. Many of us heard all of our lives, we're just a reflector of the sun. We are a moon for God. We just reflect the light of the sun. The problem with that is that you have the Holy Spirit within you, and so it radiates out of you. So it's not just, and, I, and I'll probably say it again in the future, but because there's some truth to it. It's not just that you're reflecting the glory of the Lord. It's that you have the glory of the Lord inside of you, and it's meant to shine out of you. You alone can radiate darkness. Why? Because the glory of the Lord is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. God divine is in you. You are not divine, but God divine is in you and can radiate out of you. Uh, You're not just a moon. See, this isn't about manifestations, by the way, because sometimes in Pentecostal world, we get all caught up in manifestations. This is about transformation. In Pentecostal world, we get, we get so caught up in, in altar calls and, and whether somebody's slain in the spirit or whether somebody speaks in tongues or all these manifestations, whether they're healed. Those are all wonderful things. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But we get caught up in the manifestations instead of the transformation. And I don't care if you speak in tongues if you're still a jerk. I don't care if you're slain in the spirit if you're still obnoxious when you get up, if you're still full of hate when you get up. It's not about the manifestation. It's about the transformation. And if the transformation happens, you'll get the manifestation. But in the Pentecostal world for too long, you chase, we chase manifestations of the Spirit rather than chase the transformation of the Spirit, which creates manifestations. Are, are you with me? Yes. We're not calling attention to manifestations. Point number two, mountaintop moments prepare you for valley ministry. Hmm. Jesus is chilling with the disciples or, or, or chilling with these, these two people, Elijah and Moses. Elijah and Moses. Why Elijah and Moses, again, sitting on my back, I was just processing this, trying to think deeply about it. God, why Elijah and Moses? The law and the prophets. Moses, who would represent the fullness of the law, the one who would walk down the mountains with the, 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 the commandments, who would lead the nation out of bondage, but would in many ways represent the law as people would come to him for judgments. Elijah, who would represent the prophets, the one who would speak the very mouthpiece of God. And Jesus is just chilling with, with, with these two people. And according to the Gospel of Luke, again, telling the same story, but something that Matthew does not mention, Luke tells us what they're talking about. He says this in Luke 9.31, they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. They were discussing his departure. Discussing his departure. Somebody over here is already trying to preach this for me. Because the funny thing with both Moses and Elijah is neither one of them died a normal death. Elijah is fairly obvious, right? A whirlwind of fire caught him up and took him to heaven. That's fairly obvious. But you do recognize that essentially God killed Moses. 
God said, listen, you will not make it into the promised land. You will see it and that's it. It's time for the people to go over. You can't go, therefore your time is to die. <laughs> I know we don't like to think about it like that. But if it were natural causes, he probably could have taken himself right in there. God said, nope, your time's up. I'm done, I'm calling you home. You're not going there. And they were discussing, they, they were discussing how he's leaving, his departure. They, they were really discussing ministry. It was part of Jesus' ministry of how he would depart. See, this is, a, this is a picture of ministry, in my opinion. This is a picture of prayer. This is what happens when you pray. You take your earthly ministry, your earthly needs. Your ministry might be your sons, your daughters, your coworkers, your eels, your, your, your pains, your problems. You take those things to the very throne room of heaven and have discussions with heavenly beings. And I'm not trying to be all weird. You have discussions with God, but you get this idea that you're having discussions on the throne room of heaven about the things that are happening here. Are y'all, are y'all with me? Y'all getting this? See, see, what begins to happen is they see where their strength comes from. Let me get some, some volunteers. Billy, you're on the front row. That's what happens when you sit on the front row. Run up here real quick. Um, uh, Jose, run up here real quick. And uh, I need somebody who's crying. Cece, come up here real quick. Sorry, I know you're taking notes. All right, put, put, put this on. Can you get this on? I just warn you in advance, it's heavy. You're flexible too. That's a good thing. You're flexible too. So, 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 Jose, come over here real quick. Jose, you are representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are Jesus. So just, you can make a cross. There you go. See, see, you are representing the ministry that needs to happen. Y'all, y'all Jose, and, and y'all just get up a little bit. So, so you are like crying. So, so you're representing ministry. There you go. You're, you're, you're sad. This is, this is our job, what we begin to do. Your calling is to minister to her. So what do we do? We go to heaven, receive the fullness of the glory of God, and then we run back, we fill our scuba tank up, and we run back, and we start to minister out of what was filled up. But if you stay here, you'll get empty. It's like going above the surface. So what do you got to do? You got to run back over to the mountaintop again, and you get filled up. You got to stay over here for a little while. You get filled up with the fullness of the glory of God. Then you run back into the world and you begin ministering all over again. Right? Because over here you will suffocate and die if you stay here. (coughs) Sorry to make you wear that for a little while. We'll get you a chiropractor appointment afterwards. Let me tell you the two mistakes the Christian makes. Because we were not meant to live on spiritual mountaintops. I know ultimately in heaven, you are meant to live on a spiritual mountaintop. But that's because in heaven, there is no ministry to perform. (laughs) So in life, you go to the mountaintop and you do not become a monk. I'm thankful for monks. I'm thankful for, you know, there's something about monks and the aura of a monk and this and that. And you go here. But if you stay on the mountaintop, it's a wonderful experience. It's beautiful. Ah, God, so good. Stay in this atmosphere of worship all the time. Never leave your prayer closet. You just stay right here. That's wonderful. Except she's dying. She's dying. So we come to the mountaintop. We become refilled with the Holy Spirit. In the old school Pentecostal churches, we would say, you leak. 
So you need the baptism or the continual refilling of the Holy Spirit on your life. Because it's always leaking out. And so you fill your tank, come on, with the Holy Spirit. And then you run back into the valley. And you do ministry in the valley. But let me tell you the other extreme. Some people want to live in the valley. And so they end up ministering out of their flesh rather than ministering out of the spirit. Their heart's in the right place. It's not that their heart's wrong. They minister out of a heart of compassion and love, but they're never actually running back to God. So all of their ideas are earthly ideas. They might be good ideas, but they're not God ideas. All of their ministry, the way they minister is is good to an extent, but it's not God's idea. And so what are we called to do? We run back and forth over and over and over. We go to the mountaintop. We're filled one encounter at a time. We bring heaven to earth over and over and over and over. You didn't know you were getting a workout today. Sorry. Over and over and over. You bring heaven to earth, heaven to earth, heaven to earth, heaven to earth. And you cannot stay in either one of them if you're a Christian trying to chase God's glory and experiencing all of them. See, come back here real quick. This is where a lot of Christians live. I want to transform her. I want to transform the world. But you cannot transform the world until you are transformed by the glory of God. You have nothing to offer that's anything more than just carnal, natural, which is not always bad. But you have nothing of profound influence to offer, none of God's glory to offer, until you are transformed by the glory of God. Then out of what you have received, you freely give. Is this hitting home yet? And so we go to the mountain and we go to the valley. We go to the mountain and go to the valley. See, we're never meant to live on spiritual mountaintops. And that's why when we get on spiritual mountaintops, we say stupid things. Jesus knew what it was like to be on a spiritual mountaintop. What does Jesus do throughout his ministry? He goes away and prays, goes away and prays, goes away and prays. If he needed to do it, look at your neighbor and say, you need to do it too. So he goes away, he goes away and prays. But Peter can't help but keep his mouth. He can't help keep his mouth shut. So he watches everything that happens and says what many of us have said. Can I just stay here? People come to me sometimes after church. They're like, man, I wish I could just rent a room in the church. I would just live here all the time. Seems like God's always moving. It's so wonderful. And so Peter makes that statement which I'm just going to be honest with you. When I read this on my back porch, one of the first things that's going on months ago, I said, God, why can't, I just, why can't we stay on the mountain? And then it dawned on me, I'm speaking the same stupid thing that Peter said. You can't stay on the mountain. So Peter's like, hey, hey, why, why, don't we, uh, why, why don't I just make some houses for you? I'll make some tents. I'll put down my tank and I'll just stay here. I can breathe up here. It's beautiful up here. The glory of God is coming up here. And God's like, listen, hey, shut up. You know who Peter is? Come on. He's not even supposed to be there. He got invited. He's the little kids at the adult table. He's not even supposed to be in this location. He only gets invited because Jesus invited him. You ever been invited to a place you're not even, like you shouldn't be there. If you ever, if you're in that case, just keep your mouth shut. Just listen. You know, I've, I've been in those situations. And if you say something, it's usually dumb. So just, just don't say it. And so he's like, he's like, just, just, God's like, just listen, just listen to my son. See, here's the thing. We are, we are meant to affect culture. Not live in culture. Affect culture with the kingdom of God. So we pull on heaven to bring it to earth. 
Which is why, listen to me, why in the churches across America, we've said this for years and around the world, we have got to keep our times with God. Because if you're trying to do ministry, you will end up on empty and dead and dying and exhausted because we haven't kept our times with God in order to do ministry. Or more realistically, we stop doing ministry and we start attending church. The more time you spend with God, the more glory you will have to share with the world. The more time you spend with the world, the less glory of God you will have to share. So we bring heaven to earth one encounter at a time. You, you, you can go down. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Let me see. Can you get that off by yourself? You know, for you. Your neck's all red. <laughs> and that's after taking like 25 pounds of weights out of it. And so we end up encountering, the world ends up encountering church, not the glory of God. Because we have no glory to give them because we haven't spent time in God's presence. The, the, the world ends up encountering religion because religion is what you end up with when you have all the effects of God without the presence of God. Amen. Hmm. Hmm. See, sometimes we get so off base. Sometimes we get so off base because we think, we think that the gospel is getting people to heaven. Well, that's a part of the gospel. If you ever notice, I, I rarely talk about that because I think that's too easy. The gospel is about getting heaven to earth. And yes, we want to get people to heaven, but we get, it's like this. I, I know we're in the South and so I might offend a few people, but most of you will get this. You got two sights on your gun. You got the one at the front and the one at the back. You got the sight, you got the little piece that the sight goes into and it takes both of them to accurately aim. The first sight is getting people to heaven. The second sight is bringing heaven to earth. Being so full of the Holy Spirit that when a mosquito bites you, he walks away saying there's power in the blood. Yes. Being so full of God's presence that everybody that encounters you encounters God, not you. Not religion, not church, encounters God, not you. It's, it's this initial target of salvation and this final target of being full of the Holy Spirit and bringing heaven to earth. And it's crazy because all this happens and then they're walking down the mountain. Can you imagine walking down the mountain after this? Like if it's me, I'm like, bro, I cannot tell, to tell everybody what just happened. Yeah. I'm going to tell all those other jokers and disciples, you should have come too. You missed it. Bro, this was awesome. You won't believe what I saw. And Jesus has the audacity to say, hey, don't tell anybody what happened until after I rise from the dead. They didn't even understand that for the first part. And they're like, I can't. There will be moments. There'll probably be a lot of moments if you're honest. That when you are on the mountaintop, God will reveal things to you that it's not yet time to pass off to anybody else. They can't handle it yet. They can't handle the revelation that you've received there. And there will come a time when it's ready. All right, this is the Christmas part of the message. Mary experiences a divine impregnation. The Holy Spirit comes on her. She has a mountaintop moment. The Holy Spirit comes on her, impregnates her supernaturally. And the Bible says, Mary hid all these things in her heart. Why? Because there are some revelations that everybody else is just going to laugh at. They'll get it later. She'll be celebrated for generation upon generation after this. But in those moments, you got to know sometimes when to be quiet 
I'm, I'm, can I just be authentic and transparent with you? There are certain revelations that I know about me and our church and the future and different things that I just can't always share with you. You're not ready for it. It's okay. I hope you have revelation that you can't share with me because when God starts talking deep things, there'll come a season, six months, six years, I don't know, but there'll come a season where it'll come out. But you got to know when that season is because if you speak it too early, it ends up hindering everything and you end up hurting what God's trying to do instead of helping what God wants to do. In glimpses of mountaintop moments, glimpses of God's glory on the mountaintops, they prepare you for the valleys. All right, I'm about to make some sense for some of you. All the theologians in the room, let me just help you out with something. Watch what happens when they come down the mountain. They walk down the mountain. You can read this if you want to keep reading, you could. They, they, they walk down the mountain. And Matthew says it this way. says, they, they, I should back up and, and tell the story. They walk down the mountain. There's this demonized boy who, who keeps throwing himself into fires. His father's freaking out. The disciples are trying to cast out this demon. They can't do it. And, and, and they're trying to cast out this demon. They can't do it. And Jesus comes down. And that's that famous story where the father says, like, if you can do anything. And Jesus is like, if I can. I love that line. It's one of my favorite little lines in the Bible. If I can. If you can. You just said, if you can, to me. Anyway. And it's that whole little story right there. In every one of the gospels, it's the very next thing that happens. They walk down the mountain. They encounter this demon-possessed boy. And in Matthew, it says, I begged the father speaking. He said, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. In Mark, famously, it says, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him, after he's driven out the demon, they asked him, why couldn't we drive it out? We drive it over the other side. Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Now, this is where, like, some of you are like, well, it says prayer and fasting. That's what the King James says. And others are like, well, if you actually understand it, the, the, the deeper, older translations will usually use the word prayer. It could go either way. But in this instance, it's probably better to translate it prayer. And we argue over something that actually doesn't matter that much. And we miss the whole point of why Jesus and the three could drive out the demon that the other nine couldn't drive out. They just came from encountering God's glory, full of the Holy Spirit. They just came from a time of prayer. They walk down the mountain and demons start running away. They start trembling, not because they were so good, not because of any, anything. It's because the glory of God was on them from the mountaintop. Some of us are like, how come the demons don't run from us? Well, when's the last time you were on a mountaintop? Some of us like the disciples. How come I couldn't drive it out? Because you're trying to do it in your own nature. You are not filled up enough with the glory of God. It's like an expense account. You take in so much, but you can only spend what you have. You have a certain amount of God's glory that you invest in the ministry of this world. And then you go back and you get more. That's why it's a relationship with Jesus. It's not a one-time encounter. It's not a once-a-year thing. It's a constantly going back to God, being refilled with His Holy Spirit over and over and over again. Why? Point three, and I get ready to close. Glory fades when you don't keep going up the mountain. Glory fades. This is why we got to keep our times with God. We go from glory to glory from encounter to encounter. 
It's like steps on a ladder, rings on a ladder. It's glory to glory, going back and forth and back and forth. And you'll find that as you walk up the mountain, you'll find greater glory with God than you've ever experienced before. It's like the dominoes. You knock over one domino and it needs to hit another. They need to be placed so that it can eventually make something incredible so you can watch it fall from glory to glory for spending time with God from mountaintop to mountaintop. And each time you're on the mountaintop, you go to a higher place with Him, a deeper place with Him. We're going to do things a little differently this morning. There's some of you in this room, though, before we go any further, that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And God is calling you this morning up to the mountaintop. He's calling you this morning to come up and experience His glory. He's calling you upward. Don't go downward. He's calling you upward. Don't just just, just refuse to stay on the ground. Refuse to stay with everybody else. When God is calling you higher, you don't need to stay where you are. And God is calling you to this deep place. And you've never given your life to Christ or you need to recommit your life to Christ. And He's calling you up the mountain where not everybody's going to go. But he's inviting you. Would you bow your heads with me for a second? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myarisechurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time. Thank you.